What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as hopefully clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. I have a feeling we're going to be doing some of that today. Today we have Dr. Meg Henderson, women's health specialist, guru, you know, whatever title that we can throw at you, we're just going to do that. <laughs> what do you think? Good. That sounds great. I love it. <laughs> so um, maybe tell us a little bit about your background. I kind of like to start these out as just like, how did you even get into the healthcare fitness field? And then, you know, how did you get into specializing um, or getting more interested in women's health stuff? Yeah. Taking it way back. Taking it way back. <laughs> I, if so, I started the womb, it's successful. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. The so, womb and I was like, mm, yeah. Athletic like, career started in third grade. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, so I, um, I was an athlete in college. I played two sports. Um, I played field hockey and lacrosse. And I really thought I wanted to go to med school. That was where I was headed all through my college career. And then made Why a, did you think you wanted to go to med school? I just felt like it was what I should do. I guess like I knew I didn't I wasn't gonna come out of college like knowing that I was gonna go into the workforce I was like I should go to grad school med school seems like the thing okay so wasn't it like I want I wasn't to, I wasn't like, drawn I like, to it I like, you know stuff is just like that just feels like a right choice because I right. keep going to school and, and I don't really job. know what I want to do but I think I want to work in medicine somewhere yeah. it's like somebody who's like oh, I guess I should be a lawyer I'm gonna go get a history degree yeah and, and then realize that's probably yeah. not a good like idea lawyer doctor one or the other so yeah. luckily I realized that before med school and um yeah made a quick turn um and actually had a friend of mine in college who was applying to PT school and so I was like well let me look into that a little bit and see what that's about um and so that's kind of where I headed and then I went down and took prereqs and all that kind of stuff and had to change my major just a little bit. I also wasn't very good at organic chemistry, so I knew med school probably wasn't a great plan. I never had that. Yeah, I heard nightmares about organic Um, chemistry. Yeah, so being an athlete, being in the training room, not suffering any major injuries myself, but just kind of this chronic stuff, I knew I kind of would be good at that. I I came from that background. Seemed like Um, interesting. And that's why I was like, all right, PT, I guess I can give it a go. Right, and I thought sports medicine all the way. Yeah. So whatever that means, too. whatever that go, means, we can go into like, I was, I'll go on a little tangent. I was talking to a physical therapist today who's working at a sports medicine clinic, which is a very similar kind of, we'll call it a mill clinic. We won't call any people out. And it's just like, right. you know, we didn't even have a barbell in our clinic. How are we a sports medicine clinic? I was like, right. well, let's not go down that tangent. Let's define what sports medicine is and probably what you thought was sports medicine and, and what, when you came out of school. Yeah. Did you feel like you did sports medicine? No. Okay. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we're talking about women's health today. That's right. It. So okay. to yeah. make a long story short, <laughs> um, worked for, what, eight years in orthopedics. Um, sports medicine. Sports medicine, a.k.a. <laughs> yeah. Sports medicine. We saw some, you know, you know, we worked together, for anyone who doesn't know, yeah. way back you know, in the day. But um, yeah, sports. We saw some, some kids with some sports type of stuff. <laughs> You know, full. Yeah, right. One out of a hundred. Yeah, yeah. So either way, had my own kids. So my oldest is now seven. Um, My youngest, uh, for now, is three. (laughs) (laughs) Since I'm due with my third. Yep. Um, But 
after I had my first um, son, I I just kind of got back to things naturally, as I think most first-time moms do. You know, I was able to return to running. I didn't really have any problem getting back into being active and healthy and really didn't have any issues, super healthy pregnancy, just very smooth sailing, I would say, for the most part. Do you think you, that is pretty much for the most part, just for the first one? I mean, definitely I think always for a, a higher percentage. Right, like, I think the, the the percentage is higher just because it's a first pregnancy. Yeah. And if you're healthy and you're active and you're already a, a fit individual, I think you probably have a higher chance of not having issues mm-hmm. going into that. Um, and then going back. The and then recovering afterwards. And not coming right. back. I don't like the word worse, but like maybe not as active or where you were before. Because that's pretty common, I feel like. Right. Where like, you know, a lot of people look, oh, I was pregnant and after that, that's when weight gain happened. And that's why I just, I no longer became active and here I am today, right? Like that's a big problem too. Right. And I think, um, you know, just all, my, my basic PT knowledge served me well enough. Mm-hmm. I knew enough how to do basic core exercises and you know all of that kind of thing and yeah. I knew that I needed to stay strong and and keep walking or running or whatever it was that I did at the gym and whatever fitness that I like to do and then when I had Oliver the three-year-old um the wheels didn't come back on that easy <laughs> you know I've had, I the had wheels fell the off. wheels fell off yeah. after um not only because you're busier um but also because I had a four-year-old, I'd had a loss in between there that I probably didn't recover well from. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't taking care of myself very well through that whole two-year period. Yeah. Um, and so it just, you know, all of those factors combined led me down this road of dealing with issues where I couldn't run. I was having back pain all the time. Um, you know, my neck was bothering me from feeding and carrying and holding babies and, you know, just, and then also trying to work a full-time job, you mm-hmm. know, that's pretty active. Um, and so when my OB told me, and I was like, I think something's wrong. Something doesn't feel right. You know, I, sh- I don't, I feel like I should be able to run. I shouldn't be leaking. I shouldn't be peeing when I'm running. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, that's, it's, it's pretty normal for, um, you know, after having a second baby. And I said, well, that's not normal for me, Yeah. you know? And I think that's what really propelled me down the road of, I need to figure out what, else I can be doing there's got to be some other answer you know it's not just that all women that have two kids that have big babies now are doomed for the rest of your life and now you have issues where you can't do the things that you want to do much less take care of your own kids I mean there were some days where I couldn't pick up my 18 month old Mm -hmm. you know because my back was hurting um and so that really pushed me into the field of women's health. And, um, you know, I started reading things online and then took courses, you know, in person. And here I am yeah, two years later um, doing this full time. So, yeah, there's so many things that I want to like delve into there. But I mean, I would say the first thing is that, you know, that conversation was probably a big inflection point, right? Mm-hmm. There's things that have been bubbling up till then. And, you know, like you said, your your PT knowledge couldn't quite get you there. And then something, you know, you felt was wrong. And then to have a healthcare practitioner, you know, tell you that this is normal. And then you probably instantly realizing on a big scale, like that's not a right answer for right. you. That's not a right answer. Right. You know, and yeah. then say, okay, I need to figure this out. And not only for myself, but also for all of the other, you know, women that are out there that have probably heard the same 
story. And and I va- I love my OB and I value her opinion, you know, over most everything. So it was hard to hear that from somebody who I trust, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, we um, we go through this stuff a lot and I had a good conversation last week, but it's just like, you know, medical doctors are are really good at certain things. You gotta realize that they don't know everything. A lot of people will put a doctor on a pedestal. Right. Like yeah. it's okay that that was her area of expertise. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like talking about nutrition to a doctor. They don't get any nutritional right. counseling, so you don't go to your doctor to see, hey, I'd like to lose weight, what should I be eating? You don't ask your doctor that question. Sorry right. for anybody who's doing that and asking your doctor, <laughs> please go somewhere else. They're not the ones that are gonna help you. And and from that standpoint too, like, uh, you know, maybe you can clarify this for me. This is actually an interesting question. Your OB is there to make sure that your baby's healthy and that you stay healthy and that you deliver without complications, right? Yes. And and probably not there to make sure that you're performing at your best level or that, you know, uh, that you recover properly. They're just trying to make sure that things are, are you know, in quotations, because, you know, my podcast, but like healthy or just get back to, you know, just get to the point where you can yeah. just function. Yeah, I guess, absolutely. You know, and then there's this big gap and that's where we live, right? Of yeah. like, okay, I want to get back to... I want to be stronger than I was before, um, or I want to be better than I was before. I at least want to function at a high level again. Right. Yeah. You know, and exactly. That's, and that's, would you say that's kind of where you live? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I think that um, that's the big push these days is that, you know, ACOG is pushing for that the fourth trimester. What's ACOG? Uh, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Okay. So they came out last summer, I believe it was, with um, updated recommendations. And in there was um, recommendation for a two-week screening post-baby. So after delivery, they typically will bring you in for that six-week checkup. Now they're pushing for a two-week uh, visit postpartum, um, which is great because they're, they're screening for um, postpartum depression and anxiety, um, you know, making sure that everything is going okay. Sometimes usually the visit takes place with a nurse practitioner or you know not necessarily with your OB it just depends on the practice um, but at least that's starting to happen and then within those recommendations there were also guidelines to see a physical therapist um, at some point in that fourth trimester meaning the first three months after you've given birth so that's huge in getting that shift of figuring out how to then recover from mm-hmm. birth not just getting through the birth healthy you know and reducing mortality rates and you know all of that stuff that goes along with it but it's important huge it's <laughs> yeah. very important but then also how do we direct that treatment afterwards and who should you go see there are so few women's health pts in the country you know much less just here in charleston yeah that you know there's there's so many women out there and the conversation is really just getting started and educating the public that this is even an option yeah because they don't know where to go most True. people I bet, like most people maybe if they're listening to this or they know somebody who has a baby and had some difficulty they'd be like well why would i need to go see a physical therapist right in the first place like so, right there's a huge education piece yeah so what does that look like so like if somebody said hey i heard this on the podcast you know, you're having some trouble, you should go see a physical therapist, and they're just like, well, why? Why would I go see if it, what are they going to do? Even if you're not having trouble. Yeah. Right? So in... I agree. In, look, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right, because we're, yeah. you know, we want to be wellness practitioners too. Yeah. So, um, you know, in Europe, in France specifically, when you have a baby, they, and you are in the hospital, and you're, or wherever you're delivering, they give you a prescription for 
physiotherapy, they call it over there. Mm-hmm. Um, way, way more <laughs> Very bougie. more professional so and, you know, French. Um, <laughs> to see a PT after you've given birth, and it's standard of care. That is just the yeah. way they operate, um, and everybody just does it, right? So, because women are they're, they're just, they know, or somebody has taught them, or they're the way that their healthcare system works, that they need to take care of themselves afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes a huge difference. So what, what the women's health PTs in the states are pushing for too is standard. You have a baby, you have a pelvic floor internal muscle examination. And you get evaluated, a full musculoskeletal evaluation by a PT, whether or not you have a problem. Because then at least you know what your baseline is. I mean, I'll say my own personal experience, after I had Oliver, I didn't know that I had a problem, really. I went back to work after 12 weeks of maternity leave. It wasn't until I really tried to start being active again and running that then I realized I had a problem. You know, I was dealing with pelvic organ prolapse. So it was, I didn't know I was weak. I was able to function and walk around, you know. So, but you don't know that until you have that evaluation. And I'll say that the moms that I see immediately postpartum in, in that first fourth, you know, or in the fourth trimester, and then even the first six months or so, they are so much stronger and so much more aware of their own bodies and how then they can just carry on and do whatever they want to do goal-wise. Maybe it's just being a stay-at-home mom. You know, maybe it's just being able to run the vacuum cleaner or, and take care of three kids under three, you know, whatever that yeah. looks like. Maybe Sounds it's hard. being a CrossFitter. Yeah. Maybe it's you're um, a competitive swimmer. I mean, it just it doesn't matter what level of fitness you're on you should it just really helps you understand your body as we're giving them tools to really understand what's going on not just putting a band-aid on it yeah i mean i think almost to wrap that up in a bow like what coming out of pregnancy with again i'm just trying to find a better word than healthy because it's it's muddling the waters, but like <laughs> non-complicated, right? Right, non-complicated and come out. And now you want to get to the point where you're actually what our definition of health is, or I'm going to use the word like a good quality of life. Like, right? Let's. Why, why can we not? You know, this is this what I'm starting to define as a performance-based model. So it's not mm-hmm. just like okay, I can get from point A to point B, but now can I actually like be happy? And we've talked about this, the mm-hmm. idea of females and self-care or even just people in general like creating some sort of self-care of like hey i want to take care of myself i I deserve to be strong i deserve to be happy you know and and everything that goes into that Mm -hmm. like uh let's go ahead and just say that um i think long term that makes a lot of sense because you're going to prevent a lot of healthcare issues i would argue down the road right you know and then as well as just like you just deserve to try to be as healthy as possible right now in the term and and in the short term and be able to know what that means and know how to get there too right so why why isn't that just a standard it's interesting exactly because the and the two things that go hand in hand the big push right now is talking about postpartum depression and what that all means from a mental standpoint and obviously we we deal with the physical i mean as a pt we screen for postpartum depression but if you look at the um the statistics on that just quality of life, you know, healthy feeling, self-care, all of those things, all of that can go into the risk of postpartum depression also. Sure. So if we can take care of the physical and a mom of a newborn who potentially might feel helpless at home by herself and not know like what's going on, number one, with her newborn, but then also number two, 
feeling like her body is broken, you know, and not understanding what is actually happening, all of those feelings can go into her mental status. And then what does that do down the road? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're seeing it a lot more now in research and data, like one of the best way to combat just depression in general is lifting right. weights, right. getting stronger. Right. Exactly. Like, I don't yeah. know about you, but I definitely, if, if I'm injured, I, I'm having some, you know, I use this word kind of depression or anxiety loosely, not necessarily in the clinical sense, but like I have some version of that. Like I, I'm definitely not as happy as I was before. Absolutely. You know, us being able to move around in our environment. And, you know, I think there's even this like innate sur- survivalistic sense of like, if I need to run from a saber toothed tiger and I feel like <laughs> I can't, do you know what I mean? Like right. I'm probably not, uh, it's a little scary for me. Right? Yeah. There's that fear yeah. base. So I can't defend myself, yeah. whatever you want to go yeah. there. And so, yeah, I, I, I Big time. I mean, that's big. Make it women. Make it orthopedics. Yes, make it whatever. Right. Like the stronger I feel, the better. You know, yeah, you can and, extrapolate that across disciplines. Really. Yeah, they're inherently connected, like a thousand, mm-hmm. and yeah, a thousand percent. So it's just you know, uh, the other thing I wanted to back up almost to is just I think what some people may struggle with too. Like, what is that even that evaluation? even just like look like like, right you know like what are you what are you doing you know how do you even test the pelvic floor you know like I'm not clear on that even as well as a physical therapist so so if I have a new mom come in it depends on what stage she's coming in so let's picture a a, a six week yeah postpartum so they've already been cleared by their OB typically we wait till that point to do any kind of internal pelvic floor muscle exam yeah so things are still healing we're just gonna you know and let that ob give that clearance but if i do see somebody before that i can still do a lot you know ahead of that so there Mm -hmm. that's a different exam um but if i have somebody that comes in um six or eight weeks postpartum or even later you know if it's the first time that they've ever been seen it's all the same okay so they're filling out a fairly detailed history um you know, and then I'm going through probably 20 or 30 minutes of su- subjective questioning. So asking anything from their health history to, um, you know, how did the delivery of any other previous babies go? You know, so talking everything about their OB history. Did they have symptoms in between? How did they rehab in between pregnancies? What did they, you know, healthy pregnancy, what did they do during this pregnancy? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, nursing, bottle feeding, you know, you gotta know symptoms, right? it's all of it. it Do you have help at home? Like, what's your child care plan? Are you planning on going back to work? Like, are you stay-at-home mom? All the things. Because yeah. it all factors into the decision-making of how you're going to um, help them, basically. Yeah. Whatever it comes down to, whatever you find, it doesn't matter. But at least you have all that background information. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, arguably, you can't have a good health care plan without understanding all those things. you got to understand the person first. Yeah, at right? least... No, in general, in my opinion, we're just challenged yeah. for that. I mean, you get an average of eight minutes with your doctor. It's very difficult to do that. Exactly. So, yeah. Know. So I spend probably 90 minutes lately. It's been closer to two hours. Come on. That's with a, a patient, time. right? Yeah. And so it's it's lengthy, especially yeah. if you're going to get it all done in one that's session. That's a long time. It's a yeah. long time. Yeah. Um, and that's talking about other things, and that's scheduling, and that's some administrative stuff in there, too. But sure. for the most part, it's a <laughs> solid 90 minutes of yep. exam. There you go. Um, minutes, yeah. So then we're doing a musculoskeletal examination. So looking at posture, I look at breathing, um, we test strength, flexibility, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have their baby with them, I watch them move, you know, with the baby squat, get up and down off the floor, all the functional things yeah, that go just along like, with again, it. Again, I'm going to create multiple illusions, but like, you know, 
if I have a barbell athlete or CrossFitter, I'm going to watch them squat with a barbell. Yes. Like if you have a mom, I'm going to want to watch you move yeah. your baby, right. hold your baby, lift your baby. Yes. I which is why which, I did not know that. that yeah. A lot. Which is why I love doing in-home assessments a lot of times yeah. for those new moms because then you can literally see the equipment they have, the chairs they sit on, how they feed on the cat, like all of it, mm-hmm. um, and have them move around in their own environment and then give them tips about how to make certain things better. Yeah, this kind of personalized medicine is something I've really been thinking about lately. It's like you you, you need that piece. It's got to be personalized yeah. and specific to you. It yeah. can't just be this general protocol that kind of no. fits everybody. No. You know, it may fit 20% of people. What about those other 80%? Right, right, because it's not black and white. None of, well, I don't think any of women's health is black and white. Yeah, you got to start <laughs> punching the face from that in that conversation after the second baby, right? Like, you know, right. What's, what's doing, what's working for everybody else is not working for me. No. Your words exactly for me. This yeah. is not normal for me. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if they are, if they consent to the internal pelvic floor exam, then, we, then I usually do that next after we've been through the musculoskeletal exam. And so that just looks like a very brief, it's way less invasive from what patients have, you know, described it as like, oh, it's, this is nothing compared to seeing your OB, you know. Okay, there you go. It's, That's a good comparison. Right? Almost, you know. Because nobody morning. loves to see their gynecologist. Like, yeah. it's that's not a fun annual visit, like, yeah. to go I, I to. I don't know, but yeah. Right. <laughs> I'll tell you, from personal experience, yeah. it's not fun, yeah. right? And, and you would probably concur. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's very gentle. You know, we're looking at um, tone of the muscles. So the pelvic floor, you know, is three different layers of muscles. So we're assessing that from the external perspective first Mm -hmm. just with touch you know just super light touch is this tender does this hurt what does this feel like Um, and then actually looking at how the muscles are functioning so we can tell based on how somebody is breathing with watch a cough what happens to your pelvic floor when you cough do your muscles kind of co-contract and and squeeze and lift and kind of like brace as they should. I had to describe it to me the other day as um, her emergency brake. <laughs> does her emergency brake come on mm-hmm. or does it not? You know, yeah. and then that can lead to other things. Sure. Um, and then we assess just like any other group of muscles, strength, power, endurance. Um, and then one other aspect is looking at kind of those fast twitch muscle fibers. So how quickly can those muscles turn on and turn off? Okay. So that's, essentially what that is checking for laxity you know in in the vagina wall basically like looking for prolapse um, pelvic organ prolapse which is just descent of those pelvic organs kind of coming down into that area Um, so we kind of check for all of those things and and then base our recommendations off of that in conjunction with whatever the patient has kind of told us might be a symptom if they have it so that could be anything from like I, I go to the bathroom all the time or I have to run to the restroom every time before a workout. Like, if I know there's double unders programmed in a workout, I am in the bathroom. There's a line out the door, usually. Um, But it could be nothing, too. And so if if there's no symptoms that go along with that, that's okay, too. It doesn't mean that if we do find something, that it always has to be, quote, fixed. Right? Because if it is not symptomatic, depending on what their goals are, you know, don't fix what ain't broke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't create a bigger problem also in, in the patient's head that isn't necessarily there. I mean, give them the facts and the things they need to know. But if it is a functional system, 
Yeah, it's fine. There's also just innate human variability. In Absolutely. Things, right? Some people are going to be more more muscle tone or less muscle tone. Absolutely. I mean, you know this. Even for some people, like um, we'll just use a really good example that I use a lot with patients. Like uh, for some people who are not mobile, right? And you get some people who can like put their arm in these crazy places and they have right. absolutely zero pain. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Am I going to try to tell that person to, yeah. you know, like, no, you don't do that because you're going to hurt yourself. Like, no, they're going to go their entire exactly. lives, be double jointed and, and, right. and, and be fine. Yeah. Right. And so we understand that there's human variability. And Definitely. We're not just going to tell people that they're, you know, you know, my spiel, that they're broken and that they're right. weak and that they suck at everything and no. only I can fix <laughs> right. you and now pay me millions of dollars. No. Yeah. No. no. We're going to, you know, treat a problem as they occur and if right. it, it's affecting you functionally, then yeah, let's talk about it and let's find ways yeah. that we can improve your quality of life. Right. And what are your goals? Like, you know, if I get somebody that's coming in, they want to do a triathlon in six weeks, that's a way different conversation than somebody who's just trying to rehab themselves after a baby to go back to work. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. it's a just job or something. Exactly. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Even I've just I saw a PT recently. You know, had a baby. You know, it's like I was like, well, how active are you? Like, what setting do you work in? What you know? Mm-hmm. What do you actually have to lift? You know, because every PT job is different. You know, so it's like if she didn't work in acute care in the hospital and she doesn't have to transfer patients, my goals are going to be a little different than they are. You yeah. Know, for somebody who is doing that. Yeah. Something I think needs to be addressed too, which I'm seeing more things on from some of these women's health PT leaders, but like, I never heard you once mention kegels, which is everybody's going to associate that and be like, you know, what does that mean? And like, is that right? The end of, you mean I can't just like practice kegels and then all my problems are going to go? Yeah, right? no. Is that not the case? It's not the case. Oh, that's no. what I heard. Because you're, <laughs> yeah, so have most women, yeah. unfortunately. Not, yeah, exactly. yeah, so most doctors midwives whoever you know they'll say i think the recommendation is like eight of 80 kegels a day is what you know the the blatant recommendation is just do your kegels well maybe not everybody needs to do kegels maybe you're having symptoms or you're having pain because those muscles are actually too active you know and you've got too much tone going on there Mm -hmm. so I mean, a great example is somebody who has never had a baby before, right? And they are super strong, and but they have all of this tightness, yet they still have leaking when they jump or when they lift heavy yeah. or, you know, any any of those things, right? Because doing more of an exercise isn't necessarily not right better. protocol for No, because like these are muscles too, even though, like, that's they're very foreign and not as well understood muscles, but they're still muscles, so... Muscles have to have appropriate length in order to have good tension. And so if a muscle isn't at its midpoint, it's not very efficient, mm-hmm. right? Like your bicep is not as strong when it's all the way flexed or when it's all the way extended. Right. You know, the pelvic floor is the same way. If it's too mm-hmm. tight, it's not very strong. So in those cases, that's where the internal exam comes in really handy because you could have somebody who's really strong. I had this the other day and she's only three months postpartum but she's still having some issues. And so when we actually did the follow-up exam, she had been doing awesome, like she's so strong. But then had we not actually followed up and repeated that exam, we wouldn't have known that she actually needed some some down training, you know, to like, or stretching, you know, basically like breathing into those muscles to let them stretch and relax. And then she can recruit them again mm-hmm. and they're actually gonna work better. And so coming back then from that follow-up visit, she was like, most of my pain is gone, you know, because now I know I'm just going to stretch first, you know, breathe, 
do the down training, get in those poses that let everything relax a little bit and decrease tone, and then I can strengthen them again better. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, for sure. so like another question I think would be really, really common. Obviously, we kind of, you know, uh, said that even if you're not having symptoms, you know, postpartum getting an assessment just makes mm-hmm. sense. Minimum, just get a baseline. You know, uh, worst case scenario, you've got something, some sort of issue that you didn't see before, and, and you can hopefully get right. You address it. Improvement, yeah. Make yeah. Some but what would be some common uh, things to look out for that would warrant a assessment from somebody with your skill set? Even go back to the OB or going mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, directly to a women's health physical therapist or a women health specialist. Right. So it could it could vary from things like I kind of group it into categories. Maybe like there could be pelvic floor dysfunction symptoms that nobody really wants to talk about. Right. Yeah. Like the leaking when you run or um, feeling that um, feeling of heaviness when you're running. That's what I was dealing with with pelvic organ prolapse. So I you know felt like something was literally falling out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like, like this isn't thing. normal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know in your head it's not normal. Or like I'm, I'm going to the bathroom every 45 minutes but I never really have to pee. Or I put the key in the door and I've, I, I don't make it to the restroom in time. Those are kind of pelvic floor dysfunction mm-hmm. symptoms, pain with intercourse even. Um, that it definitely exists after having a baby. Sure. Um, and then, you know, the other category is looking at just core dysfunction. So somebody could have a diastasis recti, meaning like separation of the abdominal muscles, which is not as common as social media necessarily is making it out to be. Mm-hmm. Um Yes, it is a thing that we need to be aware of, something that we check for in that initial exam. Um, but it, it's more just looking at the function of that deep core system. So, and, and how does it function doing different things? You know, so that could be like when you do a crunch or you do a plank or you do push-ups, what happens to your belly? Does it kind of pooch up in the middle? Um, or a dome well, it's there, a dome right? in the middle, right, it, which yeah. could even happen with like an obese male. You know? Yeah, I saw it a lot um, when we did more. Yes. More quote. Orthopedic medicine. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we had this conversation at some point, but I didn't know that, that that's something that could be treated or improved right. or maybe even completely eliminated, so to speak. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Um, so if you have some of those symptoms right. and you've been told that that's something you have to live with, just throwing that out there. That yes. Like most things in life, it's definitely not something you can live with. Right. Or how many people have I heard recently who have said, I've already talked with a plastic surgeon about how to correct this, you know, and, you know, they say, oh, PT doesn't really work for that kind of thing. Well, how are you going to, what if you've never tried it, you know, like, and it's amazing the results actually that, okay, well, these people don't need surgery. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in very drastic cases or for aesthetic purposes, maybe somebody would go down that road, but it's major right. surgery. You really right. don't want to have to do that. I would um, think so. I mean, there's some, and it was a tweet, and I'm not going to do it. It's like, it's like, yeah, surgeons have been known to do surgery. You know, and it was just like a really basic thing like that. It's like, yeah, like a surgeon... That's their tool. going to recommend... Yeah, it's their tool. Yeah. Like, there's other tools in the tool belt that they might necessarily, right. you know, know about. And I don't know about you, but I'd much rather try the thing that doesn't cut me open on yeah, a regular basis. Yes. I don't know. I mean, yes, surgery surgery is very safe 
and like there's not a lot of infections or deaths from that stuff anymore, but there still are, and maybe you're a small percentage, there still are. Right. And I don't know, like just don't cut me open. I don't like, want to go under yeah. anesthesia if I don't have to. Yeah, which, which makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you know, but you know that's a whole other conversation. But the whole core function thing—you could not have any symptoms from that dysfunction that you necessarily realize, but it shows up in other places. Mm-hmm. So maybe you have shoulder pain that you can't figure out how to get rid of, you know, or um, you have numbness and tingling in your hand that is not really coming from your neck; it's coming from something happening in your rib cage because of the way you're carrying your pelvis you know and the way your pelvis is aligned because your core is not functioning um and the core meaning all of those muscles not just the abdominal muscles right um so it could be hip pain that's unrelenting um just any of those types of things that if a traditional course of treatment isn't really helping or the things that you've tried before are not helping and it doesn't even necessarily have to be related to a baby or not like you could have a five-year-old and and these things creep up that is definitely worth an evaluation, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, or if yeah. you just want guidance on like how to rehab post baby, like what should I be doing? I'm seeing a lot of that now. People mm-hmm. actually advocating a little bit more, you know, saying like I want to do this right. Yeah. You know, please tell me like what are the steps that I should do and how should I do it and lay it out for me, you know, yeah. like that, or give me an online resource that could potentially. I can't get out of the house and I've got three kids at home and I just need to be able to do this at home. And then yeah. I'll give them resources that aren't even necessarily my own, but just throughout networking and just pass that information along because I'd rather help, you know, more than not yeah. get to have them be seen at all, yeah. you know. I mean, the, the body's really, really complicated. Let's just throw that out there, right? Super complicated. <laughs> so, you know, if, if you're just a woman and you've got pain <laughs> anywhere general, honestly anywhere you could see a women's and health you, pt yeah you know <laughs> even if you never necessarily had a baby but like you know if you if you've had a baby like that's another kind of like check in the box it just says Absolutely. it just makes sense to to kind of go down that route yes you know like if i'm a uh, you know football player i'm probably going to get better results from somebody who works only with football players than yes. i would from somebody who's just a general practitioner right, right. so right um you know, if that's not something you've thought of before, maybe you should think about right. it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. See who the other clientele are that your therapist is treating and go yeah. there. <laughs> that go looks there. like Look you. Look around, and if you don't see people who are like you, then <laughs> right. you may not be in the right place. Right. I mean, not all the time. You exactly. know, I don't like blanket statements, obviously. No. But no. Um, just getting people to just be more aware of those types of things. Right. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, is there anything else that you could think of that, you know, I feel like there's just so many paths we can go down. But as as far as like women's health or women's health PT in general, just any other like common myths or misconceptions before we jump into some Spitfire stuff? Oh boy. Yeah. (laughs) I'm nervous. I've got a list. Um, Not necessarily. I mean, most of it is just that it's common but not normal. You know, that is kind of the big, you know, thing. Like every, you know, most of women who've had a baby yes it's super common that you have pelvic floor dysfunction like i think i think the statistics are you know Mm -hmm. two and three are going to have some type of pelvic floor dysfunction depending on number of pregnancies and that kind of thing um but just knowing that just because somebody else has it just because we're laughing about it at the gym or on our walk on the greenway or you know something like that doesn't mean that it's not something that you can actually improve yeah 
Yeah. And it's still fine to joke about it. You know, it actually makes it more relatable, right? So it's like if we – at least there's some talking about it, but mm-hmm. then knowing that, hey, like we should be doing something about this. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because if you don't, what's going to happen when you are in your sixth or seventh decade of life? You know, then you really – are going to need surgery <laughs> yeah or you're not going to be able to be as active as you want to be when you're a when retired the most right yes yeah trying to be act you know trying yeah. to be active and for sure golden years yeah i, I mean know. that you know again so many analogies and extrapolating just like you said of multiple things like just taking like back pain kind of in, in general which is kind of something similar like oh back pain i have degenerative disc disease i need to you know, go down this course of treatment, which is MRIs and painkillers and that right. kind of stuff. Right. Like, and just like here, oh, it's um, normal eye pelvic pain. Let's go see my OB. I do some kegels or some whatever, and then that's it. Like, it's just starting to like, I'm not going to get too worked up, but it's just starting <laughs> to piss me off that like, it just doesn't like, we just can't be okay with just this track of care. We just, we just can't be. And like, it's just like, it's just getting frustrating. You know what I mean? And I know we're, we're moving in the right direction, but yeah. like at the same time, we just need people who are just going to like champion this, this stuff and just start getting, you know, we're getting a little more bolder as we get mm-hmm. a little bit bigger of just being like, no, this is actually completely wrong. Right. Don't do that. Do this. Exactly. Like not like, oh, you should probably do this because this is better for you. Like stop that. This is actually going to be really, really bad for you. It's going to take a lot of time, energy, and money, and frustration. Right. And don't do that. Please go yeah. this course of action. Right. Yeah. Like, how many people at this point have you seen who, if they would have taken that other direction, which mm-hmm. would not have been to see you, how much, like, pain in their lives, pain in their marriages, pain in whatever, have you, exactly. like, saved people from, right? right? And, like, it's right. just no longer, like, I don't know. I just, yeah. I just had to, yeah. For sure. And, and, yeah. and, and I think, unfortunately, like, Sometimes we do get, as pelvic PTs, and a lot of pelvic PTs will say this, is they will, the patient will finally get to them after seeing multiple other providers. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see that quite as much just because of the, the very specific niche that I'm in. Um, but yes, they do go to the OB first, to usually, because yeah. that's, you know, the, the path that we unfortunately are taking. But it's the, the people that are dealing with pelvic pain that have like, I mean, they go down all of the imaging. They've done the nerve blocks. They've seen the spine doctor. They've seen that it's usually like eight or ten different providers before they might get to a pelvic PT that can actually help them. And if had they just gone to the pelvic PT yeah. to start and with, how many people don't even make it there? How many people no. by the time they get there, they're just so right. jaded and mad yes. at this point. They're doing all this and other... traumatized, yeah. and then are dealing with mental health issues too. But but so much of that takes educating the public too so that they can know how to advocate for themselves so you know yeah. it's just yeah and it's it's finally getting there like i said pts with direct access yeah. and like we're becoming more bold and information I, I just still think there's this piece of of the patient itself like that information's out there go seek it yes do you know what i mean and like what i like which I think is becoming more the norm of like patients coming in educated to the doctor's office. I'm sure you've seen a little bit of this. Yeah. Like I actually want to go see a PT. Like, yeah. can you refer me out? And yes. the doctor, you'd be surprised how sometimes if they're open to that stuff. And if they're not, find right. yourself a new freaking doctor. Yeah. So you know yeah. what I mean? Like yep. they're not the end all be all. Like it's, no, it takes a team of people. Um, and there's just there's human error, and there's just a list of reasons why right. um, to have multiple healthcare providers. Yes, and for the doctors that I've spoken to personally, you know, they just say like I don't have time to address these things. That's the sad part. Yeah. 
and but if they know somebody and the patient comes in asking for that referral for sure you know they're so excited to give it because then they can they know they're going to send them to somebody who does have the time and who can literally sit down for 90 minutes and and figure out what that story right. looks like and how am I going to help you cuz right. the 10 minutes that you have with them in their office is not enough right right <laughs> so they're very happy to refer most of the time i yeah. i can't say that i've ever run into an ob that's not you know like oh you shouldn't go to pt yeah that's so that's, that's been good. that's been a good thing yeah slowly but we'll take step slowly one. but surely yeah yeah we'll take step 1 okay all right let's do some uh spitfire okay what are you best at Play. I know. You're gonna, oh, you're gonna, gonna man, love you didn't prep me at all for this. No, that's so, that's called Spitfire for a reason, Meg. Um, listening, listening, connecting. I like it. Those are both good. Yeah. What do you struggle with? Mm, from a PT perspective, sure. Or just in in life perspective, or I don't know. You know, I struggle with you know peeling carrots. It can be anything. <laughs> Right now, it's balancing my personal life and my professional life. Yeah, well, big yeah, time with little kids and a business and a pregnancy and yeah, you know that's been my biggest struggle the last yeah. couple of months. You got know? A lot on Plus, your it's summertime, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Just today was the first day of school for us. Right? Yeah, you have it on Wednesday, got, got right? Shoot it. Yeah, yeah. Woohoo! Yeah, freedom. Mm, yeah, enjoy the little bit of calm before. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's the number one thing the public should do to maintain their health and fitness? Mm, that's a good one. It's my one of my favorite questions. I mean, I think simple. Yeah, it's like number move one. Move like, your body every day. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Some way. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't have to be a gym workout. Go for a walk. Just please move. Just move. Oh my god! Please move. Right. Yeah. And, and drink water. <laughs> So from from a pelvic health perspective, yeah. water intake is huge. Interesting. Half of your body weight in ounces is what you should be drinking. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Uh, well, this is kind of the piggyback version, and usually I work this in, but we wanted so many fun tangents, I forgot to reel this back in. <laughs> but like, what your uh, definition of and I I usually say healthy person. I mean, maybe we can even just say like healthy mom. Just yeah. To, like, let's have our own little twist on it. So yeah. like. You know, what's your what's a what's a healthy mom look like? If you had your textbook kind of definition, what they look like, feel like, right. whatever. Yeah, I think somebody who feels good in their body. I don't think it's a look like at all. I, I think it's just how do you feel, right? Mm-hmm. Do you feel empowered? Do you feel capable? You don't do feel you, like something's. What is those words? You like something's coming out. What did you say? Something like <laughs> is falling out. Something is falling something out. Something is falling out yeah. of my body. Right. Um, I can't imagine what that feels like. That's yeah, probably it's not. It's not a, good a great feeling. feeling. Yeah. It just really makes you second guess yourself, right? Sure. When you have issues that you don't understand. So yeah. I think, even if you're dealing with an active problem. But you have somebody on your team who is educating you on what that mm-hmm. means. Um, I think that can even be seen as healthy, yep. you know, because you're taking ownership, you're understanding that. I mean, that's my biggest thing is making sure they understand what's going yep. on and why are you doing what you're doing. So healthy isn't a look, really. You know, it's not about the pounds on the scale or how. I mean. Yes, it's going to come back to that at some point about how your clothes fit and all that stuff. And you see that a lot postpartum about getting your body back and all this stuff. And I always tell people it is not about getting your body back. It's about how are you going to function in this new body? Because mm-hmm. you're not going to get that 
other body bags that you have pre-baby. You just birthed a child, right? And that's an amazing miracle, you know? Mm-hmm. You probably don't want that other body bag, yeah. right? Because then you wouldn't have these amazing babies that you have now, you know? Yeah. So Changing some of the verbiage. Yes, like completely changing how you talk about your own body even. How yeah. you, self-image, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So that's, yeah. I, like I think it. that's it. Okay. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Tangent. All right, fun ones. What's your walkout song? Oh, what? I know. <laughs> what? What's your walkout song? You're coming on to uh, field hockey, you know. Oh, boy, that was like circa 2000. Sure, you can yeah. write a song from the 2000s. Um, I was playing in 2000, but I'm sure it was awesome. High Hopes. I like it. Yeah? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. What's your favorite cartoon? Favorite cartoon. Past or present? Mm. Tricky. I don't know. Garfield? Garfield? <laughs> you guys don't watch a lot of TV. I, I no, we don't watch yeah. TV. Garfield? Was that even a cartoon? It was a cartoon. Com- was I'm comic. trying to get my own kids to watch like Garfield on Netflix now. And they're yeah. like, what is this? This is weird. Yeah. yeah. Like, the cat always like pasta or something like that. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, we literally had this conversation the other night about like we don't really turn the TV on at yeah. all. That's awesome. Like I mean, if our kids obviously watch TV, yeah. but yeah. if In we general. had a choice, we don't watch adult TV. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Think how many hours people spend. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. Just go, In front move, of the go move your body. Yeah, <laughs> or go interact with other humans. Yes, yeah, right. Have, have a conversation. Things. Yeah. Are smart things. Yeah, I'm gonna omit this one. What's the last TV show you watch? Actually, what is there? What is the last TV show you watch? Was that in 2000 as well? <laughs> College. Um, I don't know. It would have had to have been a, a football game or something. Okay. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I mean, or a TED Talk on Netflix or something. Okay. Like, no, yeah. we don't <laughs> like it. Last book. The you last read. series that we read or yeah. I mean, watched or something was probably like Grey's Anatomy in college. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. That show's still on, I think. I know, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot be good at this point. No. <laughs> Maybe, though. Sorry if you're a Grey's Anatomy fan. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, what's the last book you read? Um, what I'm reading now or what I finished? Um, Girl, Stop Apologizing by Rachel Hollis. Yeah. Every time I see Amy reads so that book, I just, I, the title is so good. It's so good. I just like I have to say it out loud. I've listened to it. it. I've read it again. I've taken notes. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Are you going to that conference that's coming here? Going to the conference, yeah. I actually have. Hopefully, if I don't have this baby first. Oh, yeah, right. You know, due dates a couple of days after the conference. Oh, come so on. just going to hope it stays we'll in that. there. I really like it. I know someone else is going to that conference, too. Um, uh, Mail, believe it or not. not even oh, Matt's there. going. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Matt's going, yeah. too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I thought it was just like a female thing. No, no, it's, it's men. This one's men and women. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, how can people find out more about you? Where should they go? So they can follow me on Instagram. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, it is fourthtrimester.chs. Okay. Is my handle on Instagram. And then the website is pretty similar. It's fourthtrimesterchs.com. Awesome. Yep. Cool. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Thanks. Right? Yeah. You got it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Healthy Charleston Podcast. Don't forget, educate yourself, empower others, and take care of your body. You only get one.